your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I want to encourage you today to stay for your free meal after church today at our Meet the Staff Luncheon. It gives us a chance to get to know you better and you to know us better. Did I say free? And the seating is limited and under one seat... Uh, there is a gift card, like a $50 gift card to uh, Carabas, but under another seat is a free automobile. So anyway, um, <laughs> just come join us and business just picked up. All right. Luke 10, if you're there, say amen. Oh, this is going to, we're going to be so nervous today. Y'all don't mind being disturbed a little bit, do you? Oh, I'm preach. bring it. I'm bringing it from my backyard, embarrassed and everything else. So I'm like preaching in a bathrobe today. It's going to be very embarrassing. But it's kind of like, you know, where the Bible says, confessing your faults one to another. And it's not just confess it. It's let's do something about what we're confessing. Okay. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, and the context is very tender here, said, Martha, Martha, you are so careful and troubled about many things. Mark that in your Bible. Not just this meal. Many things. But one thing is needful. One thing is necessary. One thing is preeminent. And Mary chose that better part which shall not be taken away from her. While you're standing, let me give you a quick uh, foundation for this message. Then I want to preach to you on the subject of running on empty. We're not dealing with sin this morning. We're not dealing with the backslider, the rebel... We're dealing with the Christian who loves the Lord God, who houses the Lord God. But what comes out in her or his mouth contradicts the very essence of an indwelling Christ. There is angst and anxiousness and frustration and arrogance and accusation and uh, physical expressions that reveal the truest part of who we are. And all of us experience this. But we can't just gloss it over and the preacher will get up and say, well, all of us sin. Amen. We all sin every day. Amen. Oh, we all going, should go to hell today. It's not just that. It's we've been forgiven. And we ought to be growing in that grace. There ought to be an emptying out, not just of sin, but self. And an infilling of Christ's spirit. Most Christians, I can only speak for our house. I wouldn't say this is a house of rebellion. I just, I don't see it a lot. And whenever it pops up and we address it, you know, while you're preaching, they just step out and we'll see you later. Hope you find somewhere else. You can just leave. But a lot of us are running on empty. It's showing up in our words. It's showing up in our countenance. It's showing up in our homes. It's showing up in our worship. And it's not how God designed us to be. And it's not his intention. See, if the devil can't keep us from eternal life, he'll keep us from enjoying it. 
So I want to speak to you this morning. I know it's not for you, but your neighbor really needs to hear this about running, <laughs> running on empty. Would you pray with me? And if, if you feel this message is for you, and as the prophecy came forward to open up her heart, I want you just to put your hand on your heart and say, speak to me today, Lord. To the deepest part of who I am as a man, a husband, a daddy, a pastor, forgive me for my, the self that is so uh, ingrained and so adamant to be at the forefront. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you'd heal my heart today. And that you would allow me to be not only what you've designed me to be, but what I can be. And I'm asking you for that anointing to preach this word today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated next to that person. The Bible says that Jesus loved Martha. The Bible tells us that Martha was one of his favorites and that when he came to her town, he stayed at her house. God was comfortable with her. God was at home. There wasn't anything going on in her house on the television or on the radio or on the internet that would make him grieved. He loved her. He enjoyed her. But I can tell that Martha was running on empty because of her countenance, her words, and her tones. Her tone. It seemed strange that she would be so troubled on this day. Because Jesus was with her. Jesus chose to be with her. Jesus was open to all about his love for her. That's why the gospel writers could say, this wasn't Martha saying it, this was them who said, no, Jesus loved Martha. It was strange because it was Jesus that she was serving. It's strange that she would be in so much angst on this day because Jesus was speaking, God was speaking in her home. Even though her house was filled with God's people, even though her house was filled with God's presence, and even though God's house was filled with God's words, Martha was not right. She was out of balance. A Christian who loved the Lord and was out of balance. Very few things more accurately reveal the condition of your soul than what you say, how you say it, when you say it, and to whom you're talking to. Very few things. It's one of the most accurate barometers. Jesus tells us out of the mouth uh, flow the issues of life. Out of, out of the abundance of man's heart, his mouth speaks. The issues of life flow out. But my countenance, my tone, my words, and what I say, and when I say it. All right. So last week... I'm doing just, you know, life has just, it's not always the big stuff. It's the repetitive, um, unrelenting choices and decisions. Like you go into Publix or Kroger and, you know, you just want chicken soup. And you got 52 different kinds of chicken soups with rice, without rice, one bean, two beans, three beans, jalapeno, wild rice, tame rice, white rice, fried rice. I just want chicken soup, you know, just so I'm having kind of one of those days, and those of you whose mind goes like mine all the time, uh, you people that don't have it, we hate you. <laughs> it just doesn't turn off. It just keeps going. So I'm, I pray, I'm praying every day with my girls for rain for our farm, and it's raining. Now, one of my very few 
idiosyncrasies that I have. I don't like to be damp. I know that sounds... I don't like to run from the car to something and then be just a little wet for about an hour. Say, why does it bother you? Well, if you was as hairy as I was, you you wouldn't understand. It's just like wearing a wet sweater, you know? I don't like being damp. So I'm trying to get my stuff in. The the bag won't, you know, ripping open, soup's falling out. I'm getting in the car, and the dampness is increasing by the moment because it's hitting me. I'm bent over, so it's going down my shirt, you know, and I cussed. Nothing, I didn't take the Lord's name in vain, but just, you know. And right behind me, how close? I could have kissed him. Right there (laughs) is a dear brother of mine that goes to this church. Hey, how are you? I said, I'm getting soaking wet. Like a, can't you tell how I am? And he goes, it's not raining that hard. I was like, so how are you? You know, you're trying to force it. You know, I'm just standing in the rain. Do you know every word is costing me great angst? How are you, so-and-so? And so got in the car and I said, all right, good to see you. I got in my car. And it's one of those where it's, it's not repentance. It's, Lord, I'm sorry. I just... I don't know what to do except just tell you I'm sorry. And I knew in my heart from walking with him before, nothing comes out that's not in there. In gratitude for the rain you've prayed for. In gratitude that the plastic bag carrying food that I've given you money to pay for, one fell out, you know, just on and on and on. And so for me, it came to a place where I don't want to just I don't want to just make be able to make excuse. I can explain to you why it happened, but no excuses. The stream ought to be pure. It shouldn't be pure and bitter at the same time. Now we're human, but that shouldn't be common. Martha was distracted, anxious, troubled, irritated, prideful, accusational, belittling and impolite, but she was doing it for the glory of the Lord. Here we go. Strap in. Turbulent weather just ahead. Number one. Christians are running on empty because they're doing things that Christ did not ask them to do. Now, I'm not talking to the unbeliever that's living in sin. I'm talking to us. Committed to, burdened by, and buried under things that God did not ask them to do. And I know you want to have a full life, and I know you want your kids to do everything, and I know you want to travel out of town with them, and I know you want to do every supper at work, and we are so burdened down with things that God did not require. We have set our schedule, and it's killing us. Jesus didn't ask for this huge meal at this time. It was a drop-in. He'd have been fine with a sandwich, just something. And from some of us, we're looking for some mystical thing, and our life is too complicated. The acquirement, the search for riches, the Bible says, much angst comes to that person. More to manage, more to do, more to be. Kelly and I have already had the talks. Our children are going to love us, and they're going to hate us. You can do anything you want to do, but we ain't doing everything you want to do. 
What do you like better, dancing or, or cheering? Why? Because I can't be a good dad. If I'm out six nights a week and I'm preaching on Sunday, I'm going to be mean. So I have the wisdom of, oh, by the way, side note, has nothing to do with, Olivia said yesterday, she said, Daddy, you going to church? I said, well, no, I'm just wearing my suit pants. We're going to prayer, and then we're going to supper club. She goes, hmm, I just wondered because you had your tap shoes on. <laughs> Her shoes are black with taps. I said, you want me to tap? She said, so anyway, just thought I'd tell you that. We're burdened by unnecessary things. I didn't say evil, unnecessary Time-consuming, repetitive, pressing things. Those of you my age or around there, you remember the Ed Sullivan and all that? You remember the guy that had the stick with the plates on it? And he'd start with one. And you go, wow, man. And he'd, go, and he'd get going about 30, 40 plates. And then they'd start going. And he'd run to that one. You remember? The young people go, what is he talking about? Google it. It won't be in high def, but you'll get a movie. <laughs> and we have made the goal of our life not to let a plate drop instead of to enjoy God fully. What would happen to you if you would willingly let the plate fall, let everybody go, <gasps> And you say, I never liked that plate. No how. <laughs> Doing simple things instead of great and grandiose things. All right, I can't just tell my stuff without telling my wife and my mother-in-law stuff. So uh, <laughs> I asked permission from Grandma because Grandma whipped me, but I didn't ask Kelly. So we first got married, and I'm giving you some illustrations because I'm going somewhere. This is not going to be a complex sermon, but it's going to be... You're not going to be able to avoid it. So Kelly wanted to do something for uh, Halloween. Now, we do not celebrate Halloween. My wife and I do not. But in our neighborhood where we lived, we would have 2,000-plus kids come by in an hour and a half. And we would give them candy and invitation to a church. I wasn't celebrating the holiday. I was putting notes in kids. Anyway. And so now we have children. We're not, we, don't, we don't do it. It's so, anyway. But Kelly wanted to make our house on Riverdale, which Jim... And his wife live in now. It's a beautiful house. She goes, I want to make it a castle. I'm thinking chair, bowl, assembly line. Come on, move them through. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, get one, only one. Get, get, chop, chop, chop. 2,000 in an hour. So she spends like a week and a half. And we've got, oh, the bricks we sprayed something on that never come off the painted brick by the way we stuck shields up and swords up in an entrance and there was Rapunzel's hair coming from the chimney down the thing but it cost me as a man stress for like 10 days she was so about this castle and there's a part of me going it ain't worth it okay the payout is we have a castle that kids talk about and we don't even get to hear them talking about it and the fallout is I'm dying. I'm, years of my life are just seeping out during it. Now, I've done the same thing, but that, funny, that story was funnier because it's about her. But <laughs> listen, why does it have to be grandiose? Now, this is a mantra of mine. Like or dislike, I believe it aligns with the Scripture. If I cannot do it with joy, 
I don't need to do it. If it's too much, why would I? it's not the week and a half of work. It's the week and a half of the loss of joy. Because we are addicted to the opinions of people. And sometimes it's not that we're trying to be excellent. It's we're trying to be noticed. And our life with so many ways to be noticed now. Facebook and Instagram and all. You can just be noticed that we want our life to be grand. When in actuality, we get up in the morning. We're tired. We threaten our kids. If you don't get up, I'm going to kill you. In reality, our life isn't grandiose. It's glorious. We shouldn't be trying to compete with everyone, but lead a simple life of holiness and godliness, serving the Lord with our life and enjoying the journey. And we swapped it out for the stress of having a castle. When the Bible says, now don't get mad at me, I'm just, this is what the Bible said. The Bible said it is better to live on a shingle on your roof. One shingle, where do you live? On that shingle right there than to live in a house with contention. What would happen if you let some plates hit the floor today? And I'm not giving you a motivational speech today so that your life would reflect the resplendent glory of the Lord. That you would have time, margins. Anybody like to read? When you get a book and, you, oh, I can't wait for this, and you bring it home and it's small fonts, and it goes from the corner of this page to the corner of this page. And there's no white around the side. What happens? The moment you open it, you go, oh. There's no margins. And even one page is overwhelming. But if it's a little bit bigger print, and then there's a two, three-line space between the paragraphs, and then there's a picture, and then there's a quote of what they just said, oh, we just breeze through it. Is that the truth? You were designed to live with margins. You got to have room so that you're not in a hurry everywhere you go. You got to have room to get ready. You got to have room to get home and get unpacked. You have to have room to relax. Our lives are too full and we are losing the opportunity to magnify God in the simplest of places and we're cursing in the parking lots of grocery stores. I'm preaching good. I'm sorry. Y'all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching good. Doing what other people expect us to do instead of what God desires. It was the expectation in that day and age for hospitality that you honored the person according to worth. So she's seeing Jesus as Messiah, but that isn't what God required. God required nearness. God required love and, and caring. It wouldn't have mattered to him. When we're doing the pressing things instead of the important things. Anybody else hear voices? Three of the voices in my head really like, three out of four of the voices in my head really like you a lot. Yeah, it was a joke. Um, if I walk into my room and the bed's not made, it talks to me. Do you see me? All these covered, piled up in the middle. Do you see the uneven sheet? Yes, I see it. So the pressing, we're doing the pressing things and missing the important things. Now, should you make your bed? Absolutely. God's a God of order. Check it out. Read the book. God likes light. God likes order. God likes clean. But he don't like Martha acting like this. You see? The pressing thing 
is the thing that you can just write off your list. Now, I fail in some areas and I'm very good in some areas. One of the things I planned on when we brought our girls home, and I have succeeded at, I will never intentionally let them feel like they have to compete for a computer, a laptop, a book, or a television. Ever. When they walk in the room, Daddy, turn it off. Can I sit with you? Absolutely. You're more important than this stupid phone. You're more important. Because I found that the, the pressing stuff, what did they say? Where have they been? Did that person call back? Robs me of holding my little girl who is growing so fast that I feel like she's slipping away. We, we, have, to, we have to stop being slaves to the immediate and handle the important and get to the immediate, of course. We're supposed to be good stewards and take care of our house and take care of our cars and all those things. But not to the neglect of our time with the Lord and our time with family and our time investing in other people. Doing the familiar instead of the vulnerable. Why was she cooking for Jesus? Because that was the easy thing to do. It's a familiar thing to do. Sitting at his feet was vulnerable because God might have had a word for her sitting there. Doing the natural instead of the spiritual. Caring more about the temporal than the eternal. Caring about the meal more than listening to the Son of God. And by the way, this meal was just a little while before Lazarus died. I wondered if the Lord had a word for her to prepare her for that day that she never heard. The greatest temporal thing in your life is of far less value than the smallest eternal thing. The greatest temporal thing in all your life is far less value than the smallest eternal thing. And we're running on empty because we're doing things Christ did not ask us to do. And we're doing things that we prefer first. I call it the default setting. Grandma cooks. John preaches. Kelly teaches. Ken prays. Ken teaches. We do the things, rightfully so, that we are good at. It's easier to do them. But you can miss opportunities by running on autopilot. I, God don't want me swapping places with grandma. We'd all lose weight. Well, maybe not. We'd all get hamburgers every day. We might, you know. It's not about swapping places. It's about recognizing the moment and thinking that my skill set is irrelevant because Jesus is talking. And knowing the difference, seeing those opportunities. What are you doing today that Christ has not asked you to do? It doesn't mean you stop all of it if it's not sin. But you have to stop enough of them to where you have margins enough to enjoy the God of your salvation, walk with Him, and enjoy your family. If you do not set your schedule, someone else will do it for you. And God will not set your schedule for you. And you got to keep redoing it and redoing it. You have to prioritize, simplify, and fight to keep it so. Prioritize, simplify, and fight to keep it so. Number two. Christians are running on empty because they place work ahead of worship. Now these are believers. These are people that love the Lord, that are consecrated. Work is what we do and worship is who we are. Why do we work first? Because it's easier. It's easier because it can be compartmentalized. It's easier because you can do it in the power of the flesh. And it's easier because you can set the parameters of it. In many ways, 
many ways. Those of you who work in the secular world, your job is harder than mine. But there is one way that mine and those in ministry trumps all of yours. And you would never understand it any more than I can understand what childbirth is. Okay? If you are in sin, or if you are distant from the Lord, you can do your work. I can't do mine. Because if you get up on a Sunday and you act of a holiness that you do not possess, God's wrath hovers above you and your own soul withers away. The pastors know what I'm talking about. It's easier to work because if we just work, he's not looking through me like he was at Mary. Those words aren't falling. You are insulated, even if you're doing it for the Lord. Nothing that you do for the Lord can be as great as what you do with the Lord. Nothing you do for the Lord can ever be as great as what you do with the Lord. We choose work first because it's simpler. It's safer. In work, you're working for the Lord. In worship, He's working on you. It's separate. Work does not require wholeness or connectivity. Many people prefer work because it's more readily and consistently recognized by other people. Man, that was the best meal I know. What a sermon! Thank you. Thank you. You see what I'm saying? We work because the truest barometer of the spiritual life is never seen in public. It's, 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 it's being before doing. Doing follows. But being a Christian follows, precedes Christian work. And the Lord is not as interested in what I say on Sunday as He is in how I speak on Tuesday and on Thursday and I can only speak what's in there sometimes I believe God does give you a pass he sees pressures and your weaknesses he pities our frame but not the patterns I feel like the Lord is gracious in moments but patterns he won't look the other way we place work ahead of worship because work can be subtly yet intricately woven with pride. I believe Martha was worried about her performance. I believe she was worried about her reputation. She always had the best time. Jesus chose her first and the meals. And see, you can do things for the Lord so often and so grandiose that it really isn't about Him. It's the notoriety that you have or I have. That's why these 22 years my name's never been on the sign out there. I don't, you know, and the pastor's on the pastor's parking space. You know, you have to resist that stuff so that the work, I love what Ken said, for the audience of one. She was concerned about details. She was overly concerned about others. What are they doing? What are they not doing? She was despising the fact that Mary had not noticed nor offered to help. She even went as far as accusing and commanding the Lord. She went in and commanded Jesus Christ to tell her sister what to do. When you're running on empty, you talk crazy. So picture Martha. Jesus has come over. Oh, I believe she was happy to see him. I don't believe she was put out. Oh, I'm so glad y'all stopped by. 
I've got lunch. Y'all go ahead. I believe motive was pure. And then everybody sat down. And Jesus is teaching, sharing. The anointing's thick in there. And she's in here by herself. You'd think somebody would offer to come in and help. Nobody did. I believe she was dropping pans, throwing stuff in the sink, kicked the cat, you know, under the rest. Just making all types of noise. And nobody noticed or nobody uh, commented. And you know what happens when you're trying to be seen but not seen? If nobody comments, you take it a step further. So here's Martha, mild-mannered, sweet Martha. Jesus, have you not noticed Mary over here doing I'm covered in this food that I'm trying to prepare for you. No one cares, especially not your disciples, buffet-eating rascals. Eat everything in the house and don't pick a, don't even bring a plate back to the sink. Tell her to help me. And Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, this isn't about lunch. This is about your life. This isn't about lunch. This is about your life. And your goodness is killing you. You cannot give what you don't have, Martha. You cannot give. You could have made me a sandwich and sat at my feet. And we would have had a day that you would never forget. But you wanted to do your thing. And your thing is fighting for the lordship instead of just being content to be with me. Now, this does not fall in this category, but this is a cousin to it. And I asked grandma if I could use it because my grandma can straight up cook. Cook? Thank you, Lord. Cook. So can my mama. So can my wife. My wife can cook too. She can cook too. Oh, yes, she can. She'd rather run the credit card through that bonefish, but we can, we can do it. Uh, no, she, she ain't got time to cook. She called me the day she goes, I bathed today. <laughs> you know, because the kids are so, you know. So we hadn't been married no time. And while we were dating, you come to Grandma's house, and it, she'd tell you, she'd say, and there's nothing wrong with this, so don't think I'm, I'm trying to, I'll get to the end and show you where I'm going to connect this. She said, John, it's all about the presentation. I'm like, what? So one meat, depending on the color of this, then another dish would be over here. And I mean, you walk in, you go, you think you'd go, oh, look, guys don't see that. Guys go, chicken, <laughs> mashed potatoes and macaroni. We're not seeing, she could point it out. She goes, do you see the presentation? I'm like, mm -mm. <laughs> no, I smell the presentation. And my stomach is yearning for the presentation. And then one, and this was common, so she always goes all out, and she's not one in the kitchen. And I'm being honest, she's not one in the kitchen throwing pans. She loves doing that for her, so I just eat. I'm just happy to be there, and I just fall out and take a nap while everybody cleans it up. And, and then the next day I feel bad, so I take everybody to supper, you know. So one day I come in her house, and the top of the trash can I went to throw something away, and it was littered with homemade cookies. 
And in the King James, I said, what meaneth this? <laughs> Do you know what she told me? Girls, or guys, you will not believe this. She goes, they didn't look right. You threw away four dozen homemade cookies because they didn't look right? Look at me. Look at this. Do you think I care about the symmetry and that one had six chips and one had seven? Don't you ever throw anything else away till you check with me. I was dead serious. I said, don't you throw, just check with me. We can do it on the slide. No one will have to know. I said, John, just look at this. Tupperware, take that bad boy home. I'm sitting in a recliner, four dozen cookies. How many things have you thrown away that the Lord would have loved to have? Just time with you. It doesn't have to be perfect. See, Martha wanted everything near perfect, and Mary wanted everything near Jesus. And I don't want to impress him anymore. May God free us from the weight of trying to impress the Lord and just love and be loved by him and Jesus looks at the why before he looks at the what why are you preaching why are you pastoring why are you teaching why are we leading worship why are we teaching the kids why are we cooking we know it's off when that poison comes out we're out of balance I don't think it was a, a rebellion. It was found in the word many things. Martha, your, your, your soul is troubled. It's like, you ever had a washing machine out of balance? Have you ever had one really out of balance? It'll walk out of the laundry room, down the hall, in the kitchen. There it goes again. Break the water hose. And all it takes is for you to push it up, find which one of those jokers is either too high or too low, and even it, and it stops. What would happen to you today if you turned the right knob and life settled down and the Lord with joy would eat the sandwich with you instead of helping you decorate the castle? You know what I'm saying? Food for thought. Work can be selfish. What do you mean working for others can be selfish? Well, work can make us feel good about ourselves, but worship makes us feel good about God. Work can satisfy us, and we should work, but worship satisfies the Lord. It should be worship and work flowing from that instead of working flowing towards worship. Because worshipers will work, but workers may not get to worship. Finally, on this point, few things tear up the fabric of our soul like preferring, preferring work to worship. Number three, Christians are running on empty because we are living in the flesh instead of the spirit. Jesus told her, he said, Martha, you're so careful and troubled about many things, which means this, careful and troubled. You are anxious, you're consumed in thought, you're distracted by you're tumultuous. You're in an uproar about many things. It's not the meal, Martha. The meal did not create the problem. The meal exposed the problem. I don't know who that's for. 
But the outburst was not the issues. Why the outburst? It wasn't about the meal. It was the many things. Whether it's marital, relational, spiritual, financial, unanswered prayers. We, we have to live in union with the Lord where those many things stay at a few things. We can't just let stuff you know, go. We have to deal with, why did I say that? Not, I'm sorry I said it. No, why did I say that? What's the many thing? What, what are those? When we live by the power of the flesh, we should not be surprised to see the manifestations of the flesh. You cannot keep hidden what is forcing its way out. Multiple troubles lead to singular outburst. Nothing can come out of us that was first not done inside of us. Or nothing can come out of us that was not first inside of us. To put it simply, our soul is overdrawn. Ben, if you would come, please. Our soul is overdrawn. Imagine your soul, the seat of your emotions, your affections, your attitudes, your mindsets. You remember, our, our, our spirit connects with God, our flesh connects with the world, but our soul is the expression of our current um, pressing reality, who, who we are in the moment. I might be in Christ, but if I'm far from Him, my soul is withered. Do you follow me? So with her, she was bouncing checks. Her soul was overdrawn. She had all these people come. She had the will to do it. She had the want to do it. She loved the Lord. She wanted to do this for him. But she didn't have the capacity in her to do what her heart wanted to do. Because there wasn't enough deposit. Now, in the banking world, it's similar to my life. And I'm preaching from my life today. Not my wife's, not my grandma's, not yours. I'm preaching from mine. If it applies to you, fine. When I bounce checks, when I have to be the daddy that I'm not as a man, when I have to be the husband, when I have to be the pastor, and there's not sufficient inside and I bounce those checks, then the penalties stack up. Which makes me further behind because now I'm faking or I'm acting or I'm, I'm going to be a good daddy today and my soul withers. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to do these things. And the whole while, the, the fees... The fees actually, if are unaddressed, get higher than the check. And our soul is overdrawn. We're writing checks in the church. We're writing checks at home. And we're writing checks at work and with our mouth making commitments when there is no capacity to do it. Insufficient for the demands placed upon her. We borrow from tomorrow to get by today. Our mind is tired. Our body is tired. Our emotions are tired. Our marriage is tired. Our family is tired. The dog's tired. And we load all these tired folks up in the car and come to church and expect God to do magic. The reality is, if we would stop what we're doing, and reprioritize and simplify and take in Life, take in wind, take in his presence, take in his perspective, take in his joy, his strength. Then, when the demand is made and the people show up and you want to do the meal, you go, I can do this, but guys, we're not doing the five course tonight. I got a loaf of bread and I've got some turkey sliced, and y'all help yourself, and we're going to sit and listen to what Jesus has to say. Because I'm not worrying another day in my life 
if I do what you expect. I want to do what he desires and that he might have joy and find joy in my love for him. And finally, Christians are running on empty, but they don't have to. You have the choice to live in the moment. You have the choice. You have the choice to replenish. You have the choice to let the plates fall. You have the choice to repent. You have the choice to stop. Let the meal stop. Stop the bus. Stop the crazy. Stop the insanity. And find where the Lord is and go and sit at his feet. The knowledge of God and the intimacy with God replenishes us. Jesus said, if you learn of me, you'll find rest unto your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My burden's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. I will put margins in your... If you give me space, I will solidify those margins so you'll have room to be tired and not go under. You'll have room to be disappointed and not go under. And I'll make sure that there's not too much on your page because sufficient in every day is enough evil thereof. Be balanced. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. The trick for the believer is to let everything be about worship. The Bible says, do everything you do as heartily unto the Lord, which does not mean excellence. It means with joy, with, with love and praise. Now, I'm going to address the people like me. We're going to pray, and I want you to go home and spend some time today talking to the Lord. Show me, Lord. Show me these traits in me. So here's Martha coming in. She's fussing about Mary. She's telling Jesus what to do. And we would say, there are people in this room, you don't have to raise your hand. If it weren't for the Marthas in this world, would nothing get done. Instead of a period, put a comma or a semicolon. Mary was a Martha. Oh, no, she wasn't. Oh, yes, she was, and I can prove it to you. I remember when the Lord, you know, isn't it precious to you when you're reading the Bible and something just becomes so clear to you and it's the Lord that quickens it. You go, oh. Type A personalities that want to get it done. Do they ever ask sorry people to help them? Martha looked over the room and said, get Mary to help me because Mary knows how to get it done. Mary was Martha. She just knew how to be Mary first. First. And he looked at Mary and he said, Mary, you chose the better part. And it'll never be taken from you this moment. See, things were imparted that Mary, not just teaching, there was... Anytime you're under the Lord's voice or spirit, there's exchange going on. Blessing. Uh, hope infusion of things I believe in the days to come this scripture fits us and just give me like three minutes and I promise we're done the Bible says if you're weary running with the soldiers what are you going to be like if you're running with the horses and we, we need to have a storehouse margins, reserves 
And when persecution comes, life disappointments, the 3 a.m. phone call, when life falls apart, you want to have enough in your account to say, I can handle this. Not in your own strength. Grandma, we talk about this. I got I want money in my account. I don't want to spend it on foolish stuff. So when I need it, I got it. Be, be full. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Be fit. Well, I don't believe in that. Be filled anyway. Be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when those moments happen and you're frustrated and you're angry, instead of cursing, you might say, something else. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads? And would you put yourself in a room with only the Lord? Is he saying Martha or is he saying Mary? I see in my mind's eye men and women walking over and turning the oven off and saying, let the meal, forget it, forget it, forget it. I do want to work for you, Lord, but I want the work to flow from my worship, not toward my worship. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. Give me the grace that I need today, Lord, to represent you in this world. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let that happen for us and to us, O oh Lord. Show us how to simplify our life that we might live it more fully and joyfully for the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. See you in the grill in just a few moments.